Well, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Church Matters. Um, my name's Paul Saxton, and I'm joined tonight by... Tony Grange. Tony Grange. Um, do we have... Oh, we do. We have sound effects. I forgot to tell you this bit, so you can even get a... We just want to get to know you a little bit first, if that's all right. Yeah. If you uh, don't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I uh, grew up in Eastside, uh, going to Eastside Primary School. Always loved school, uh, loved playing football, loved playing with my friends. Uh, I actually, as a kid, I used to love learning, loved maths, loved English. Just loved everything about primary school, really. Uh, got to secondary school and realised uh, the people who were getting attention weren't the people who were trying the hardest at school. <laughs> so it just knocked my enthusiasm for learning, really. And never, I was always too scared of our mum to be really naughty at school. <laughs> it was enough to make me stop trying hard at school anyway. Jumpers, for, did you ever do jumpers for goalposts? That type of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the threat of mum saying you're not going out? Well, I was one of four boys, so there was no way I was getting grounded or anything. <laughs> we were getting grounded, so we were never grounded ever. We just get out the house more. That, that's a tough kick for your mum, like. Yeah. Four boys. Yeah, she was good on the discipline side, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're all in check. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe, um, maybe not as enthusiastic for education as time went on. No, not really. Just uh, could never be bothered with it. Uh, me and my friends would more just prefer having a laugh, joking about at, at school than we were uh, trying hard, really. I think a turning point for me, really, as well, I didn't have much motivation for learning. But then when I got to 14, uh, me and some friends uh, started smoking cannabis, taking LSD, acid, things like that. And then the little bit of motivation I had for learning completely left. I thought learning... Uh, wasn't important anymore. I thought uh, I thought running about getting sweaty playing football wasn't important. So that was all that I thought was. Uh, I thought it might make me more attractive to the girls as well at <laughs> school, which unfortunately that never worked either. So yeah, no, it didn't work out too well. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so going from that sort of um, uh, sort of lifestyle, so getting into to things like that. Um, sort of cannabis and yeah. LSD and things and was that more like peer pressure or it wasn't so much peer pressure it just looked like people were having a good time doing it yeah. people were looking cooler doing it and uh, I suppose I thought life was pretty boring at the time so I, I thought that wouldn't bring a bit of enjoyment and a bit of status make me look cooler things like that yeah yeah. didn't end up too good nope <laughs> <laughs> so GCSEs won't have gone too well no, I got all D's in me, which at Bracken or school I went to, well, that might be considered a high achievement, but not really, not really very well now. <laughs> well, we have that in common. I uh, I also did not achieve very well in my GCSEs, but we're doing all right now. Absolutely. <laughs> so what was the dream coming away from school then? Obviously, if a bit more disengaged, did you have sort of a plan leaving? At... Well, I would, well, our dad was a, a, a player that he worked uh, for Caverna working on uh, oil rigs and things like that and ships, shipbuilding and uh, so I, I got an apprenticeship in that and I remember the instructor saying in the 26 years that I've done this job you're the worst apprentice I've ever had 
<laughs> so I knew my future was never going to be in playing and working with that and I actually hated it really but what I did really love when I was 16 I started boxing and I loved everything about boxing I really loved the competition I loved the exercise I loved people saying he's a boxer he's hard I loved it that my body was changing shape I loved it like my life had purpose I loved it that I had a reason to get out of bed on the morning to go and train I loved training on the night I loved eating right. I just loved that my life had uh, direction and yeah. proper way <laughs> loved boxing. Yeah. Did you get much of a, a career out of that? I boxed on and off for a long time but I, f for me boxing for the first three and a half years I was doing it in, intensely and uh, winning most of my fights and I, I remember a turning point was uh, I was boxed like for the novices for people who had under 20 fights I was boxing for the Tantees and Weir yeah. and I was boxing the champion from uh, Yorkshire and I remember before the fight staring at him and thinking you were going to get it, I'm going <laughs> to knock you out, I can't wait to get in there. <laughs> After about uh, 30 seconds in the first round I punched him on my shoulder to come out of place and, uh, and the, the corner man threw the towel in and that for me was really embarrassing to get to get stopped in a boxing fight I thought I would never want to I'd never want it to be seen like I was quitting and I kicked the towel out of the ring I wanted to continue and he swore at me you can't even lift your arm <laughs> up you can't fight and uh, because boxing was the only thing that I loved in life I kept trying to do it but my shoulder kept coming out of place mm. and then uh, my trainer said this isn't uh, working you're gonna have to pack it up pack yeah. it in now I can uh, I, I've never had my heart broken before by one but I feel like I got my heart broken by boxing because it was the only thing that I enjoyed in life all my uh, like prospects, vision, how I saw myself was boxing how I enjoyed life, everything was wrapped up in boxing I thought what am I going to do to enjoy life I didn't know, I didn't enjoy anything yeah. else just, just that and I thought well I remember when I was younger and I used to uh, take drugs I remember that being enjoyable I started doing that this time it was more uh, ecstasy cocaine so me and my friends used to love going out <coughs> on a weekend particularly uh, club M on a Saturday night used to love going down to uh, gate crasher things like that yeah yeah just used to love uh, partying really used to love the music love the people Again, that took my motivation away from me. Didn't want to get out of bed anymore, so packed my job in. So just uh, slept all week and partied all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Like you're saying, really, uh, including in the boxing and and even in those, even in the partying, really, is it's all about looking for purpose, yeah. all about looking for meaning in life. Yeah. And something that you know you can. Well, something that you can live for, really. Yeah, for definite. Yeah, so you found, you know, you try to find that in boxing. You try to find it in partying. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know at that time, particularly in, including the partying and th and things like the drugs and things. Was there ever a time where you actually thought, yeah, I am actually happy, or yeah. was it a case of just living in those moments? I remember. I remember going to a house party when I was like nineteen, twenty and seeing some 40 year old women there on drugs and I thought, if I can still do this when I'm 40, I'll find the meaning to happiness. <laughs> and you used to love taking drugs that much. But then it's just like a trap. 
because I didn't enjoy after doing it for about six months. I didn't enjoy it, but then I didn't know how else. Yeah. To win to enjoy life, I just knew out there, enjoy partying. And uh, a turn a turning point was I was on a night out in Middlesbrough, and uh, in a in an old pub called the Temple, what used to be a church, and I remember getting thrown out of there. Uh, for being drunk, and I remember challenging the bouncer for a fight outside, <laughs> and uh, I had a fight with him. And the bouncer ended up in a really bad way after it. His uh, hands and feet were badly swollen from hitting me that much. Uh. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, but after the but after the after the fight got split up, I was walking through the town centre. And you know when you've been fighting and you still want to keep fighting and arguing, but it gets split up, so you're just still angry and worked up. It's that adrenaline, yeah. Yeah, I was still feeling like that and walking through Middlesbrough. And I saw uh, a bunch of Christians on a bus, Teen Challenge, were giving out uh, soup to prostitutes, terror addicts, yeah. drunks like me and my friends. And everybody was torturing them. Can imagine Middlesbrough on yeah, a Friday yeah. night. Everybody was hammering them, calling them names, and then they were just smiling in return. They were just being so polite and so friendly and so loving. And I'd never ever seen anybody act like that before. All I'd saw if somebody's says something bad, you say something bad. What worse than I felt? Thought everybody was going to be physically uh, violent towards me. I'd just get stuck in straight away anyway. Yeah. But then they were just loving people and I thought, why would anyone behave like this? And then they started talking about Jesus like he was a friend of theirs, like they knew him personally. And I thought, I believe in Jesus. I have always I'd always prayed as a kid and even as an adult, but my prayers were like help me to be a better boxer and look yeah. the people, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Just prayers like that. But they were talking like God speaks back to you. God God speaks to you. That's that was that's something I'd never heard. I was so intrigued by it, and uh, they gave me this book called The Cross and the Switchblade. Oh yeah, good book. Yeah, amazing book. And uh, uh, it was about a preacher who lived in America, in, I think Pennsylvania, in the middle of nowhere, and he felt God speak to him. Go and work with the gangs in New York. This was yeah. in the sixties when heroin had first come out, and uh, and it talked about him praying for people, and not only did this. They receive a buzz, which was they said was better than heroin, but it set them free from heroin addiction. And after reading that book, I thought, if this is real, yeah, if God speaks to you, He's got a plan for your life, He's got a purpose. Your life can mean something, and this Holy Spirit buzz is better than drugs. I thought this must be the best way to live. So, like I said, I was bored of taking drugs at that point, but I was yeah. looking for a new, a new buzz. I was looking for purpose, so I just started praying. I was living just how I wanted to live, but I was but I was I was praying more intensely. Uh, after a period of time, maybe a year, maybe two years later, I was on holiday in Ibiza, a million miles away from God in my behaviour. Uh, I was in a nightclub and I just felt the, the the presence of God. I felt what now I know is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I felt terrible about the way I was living. Yeah. I never thought it was but the way I was living before. I never felt there was anything wrong with it at all. But now I felt terrible about it. And I, felt, and I, uh, and I just felt God saying to me, if you've been asking me for things, I've been giving you them. Now I want you to give something to me. Wow. And I thought, what can I give God? And I thought, it must mean taking drugs is bad. I'm going to stop taking drugs. 
So that was the last time I ever touched a drug or was involved with them. And then uh, I started reading the Bible and it said uh, in Romans 12, it says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies to be a living sacrifice. Yeah. And I, and I knew that's what God was saying to me when he said, give something to me. Yeah. what he was asking for. He was asking for me. He was asking for me uh, to live my life for him. So even within that year, from kind of encountering those people on the team challenge, and then yeah. <coughs> that that might that that night in Ibiza, yeah, you'd uh, obviously been asking God for things in that period yeah. without a lifestyle change. Yeah, what do you think? Can you see what God was trying to say to you within that year, and why do you think it was a year later that you really kind of? Well, why I always this is what I know. You pursue God with your whole heart. You yeah. find him. You pursue him half-heartedly and you might get little results and I was pursuing him half-heartedly. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really pressing into him. I wasn't, do you know what I mean? I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't doing stuff like that. It was just, there was just a hunger in my heart to know him. Yeah. yeah. So the, in that in that nightclub in Ibiza, then that's it. That's you going full, full no, on. No, honestly, if you would have spoke to me the next day and said what happened that night, I don't think I'd have even had an answer for you. Yeah. See, I remember the, the next year when we went to Ibiza, there was like 30 of us from Middlesbrough. Yeah. And there was like 28 of them took drugs and two of us never. And I remember being, nobody will know when I was a Christian at this point. I don't even know if I was a Christian. I just knew God had spoke to me and something was happening in my life. I, yeah. I wasn't vocal about it or anything. I just remember in Ibiza, it's like 24-hour partying. It's not like you, you have a night out, you come to sleep, you just up, up, up. And I've felt that God wanted me to go to show that you can have a good time without taking drugs. You didn't need drugs to rule your life. And I knew there was no way in my own strength I could stay behind yeah. for a week. So I remember being in a nightclub with my eyes closed and just praying, God, give me the strength, Lord, I need you. And I opened my eyes. When I opened my eyes, two of my friends' faces were right in front of me. And they pointed at me and said, I knew you couldn't resist. I knew you were going to get off your head. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I'm not. I said, well, what are you doing then? I said, I'm, I'm praying. And they're just like, all right, and walked away. So for me, it wasn't, my behaviour didn't instantly change. I didn't instantly no. start telling about, people about Jesus. I just knew something was happening. I was reading the Bible. I was watching God TV. I still hadn't been to church. Still never knew any other Christians. I was kind of, yeah, yeah, been on the scenes. So was there a moment in, in your life then where you thought, right, this is the moment I am now going to be full on for God? Or was it more gradual? It was definitely gradual, but I know a turning point. I used to play football for a team on a Sunday morning. And I remember saying to them, I'm not playing football anymore. I'm going to start going to church on Sundays. <laughs> and I remember the next Sunday, they phoned me up and said, we're short. And I said, all right, I'm going to come and play. And I went and played. And then I, and I felt bad about playing. I said, look, I mean it. Don't call me to play no more. I'm a Christian. I'm going to church on Sundays now. I'm not playing football. And I knew that was a massive step for me. Yeah. I remember like when I hadn't uh, like slept around for a for a year, I hadn't slept with anyone for a year. And I remember that being like a milestone. So there were some things where I thought, wow, I'm really taking this faith seriously. I remember on a Saturday night and some of my friends were going out and and it's not that I think going out's bad because I do like going out with my friends still, I do still like the pint, I still do still like being with my friends. Yeah. But I remember just said, I actually don't want to come out tonight. I loved being with God so much. I loved being in his presence. I loved reading the Bible and worshiping that much that I actually didn't want to go out 
with my friends. I wanted to spend time with God, not out of like a religious duty, out of a passionate love for Him. Yeah. So I knew there was some kind of wow. turning point in my life where I knew I was really starting to fall in love with God and yeah, yeah. And change. I think for quite well, I wouldn't say for quite a lot of people, but for some people, it is more like you know there is one turning point where God's not real and then God is real, and yeah. then you know, I think it's really. It's really exciting to see that, you know, actually sometimes it's just a gradual yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the more you get to more know God, the more you get fall in love with him. Yeah. And the more you want to change your lifestyle. Yeah. Like, not live the way you used to. Yeah. So this is what Tyler explained to everyone. You don't become, you, you fall in love with Jesus. You spend time with him and he transforms your life. What happens with people is they try and do it religiously. I'm going to try and be a good person. I'm going to stop doing this yeah. and that. And it just doesn't work. You learn to have a relationship with Jesus, you learn to follow his voice, you learn to love reading the Bible, love spending time with him, love getting in his presence, know what his voice is like. You, you love being with the Lord and he transforms you, it comes naturally. But people try to put the cart before the horse and try and yeah. change and, and be a better person and they just end up being frustrated, living in guilt, living in shame, believe that I can't do it, believe that they're not forgiven and think this Christian life is too hard for me. Now if you like ah, I really hate that saying being a Christian's hard because I don't believe it is hard I believe we have an intimate relationship with Jesus yeah. and he transforms us from the inside the hard thing is to stop looking at comfort and following what we feel like doing and start following Jesus and and, and the natural progress of that is that we start looking like him yes and actually when you've lived a lifestyle for so many years actually an inst you know changes can take time yeah. Sometimes like years, yeah, because you definitely. you you're rooted into one yeah. philosophy of life yeah, to change into a different one. Yeah. That's hard work. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what is hard about yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it does become difficult. Um. So, what's your early experience of churches then? What type of churches were you going to? Were they more like traditional ones or more? The first, I I used to watch on TV and I'd seen American churches. <laughs> yeah. And then I just, but I just thought the churches in England were like the typical, uh, where you read through a book. There's a ten minute sermon. You say the same prayers every week. Yeah. I thought that was what every church was like. But I thought, if I'm a Christian, I've got to go to church. So I started going to a church like that on the doorstep. Met so all the people were like old ladies. They obviously took a shine to me, and I love them as well. But I always felt that there was more. Started going to another church probably five years later, Tees Valley Community Church. And uh, I always used to turn up late because I thought there's no way I can sing for 45 minutes. That would drive me insane. <laughs> and the sermons used to bore me rigid as well. I, I just couldn't, can't sit still for that long. Uh, but again, then I just grew to love it. I made some great friends there doing an alpha course, especially Peter Conroy, who kind of like took me under his wing. Yeah. So then I grew to love it, and I grew to love the people there, and I did start loving the worship. I could I could engage with the sermon longer, but for me it wasn't it. Some people, Ben Farage, I remember when I first took him, and he loved church instantly and couldn't get enough, and that's the experience of some people. For me, to even falling in love with, with church was, was like a process. Yeah. Yeah. I won't ask you where the early preachers were because they like, <laughs> <laughs> might not like that. I don't name shame <laughs> so well, that's interesting, isn't it? So to take an intre- uh, a time, um, a, a journey, if you like, 
um, on coming to faith and then in, yeah. in terms of enjoyment of church as well yeah. um, all points to relationship really yeah. which, is, which is nice yeah. um, so at this point how old will you be at this point you're getting into Tees Valley and probably 2005 I first went there and then went again like six months later and, do you know what I mean and then I met yeah. my it was Steph who was now my wife I met her on a night out in uh, 2005 and she was going to that church and like I say the church I was going to was all older ladies and this one was like a younger crowd so I liked hanging out with younger people that they seemed to be more passionate about Jesus as well so a lot of the conversations would be revolved around the Lord and yeah. I was starting a, a Sunday school in Eastside and I wanted some helpers and I got some of them from that church to come over and help me and things like that so it was just like the relationships were gradually building all the time yeah so like you say you've met uh, you've met a young lady at this point yeah um not just a one-off uh, yeah. yeah and now who you are married and two lovely daughters two stunning if you don't believe in miracles out in the two most beautiful girls in the world belong to the same family because <laughs> you are properly outnumbered at home now aren't you <laughs> yeah you don't have a chance <laughs> <laughs> two girls and uh, and another one on the way. So, oh, what a third girl! Uh, well, we'll oh, see. You, yeah, <laughs> you, don't <know. laughs> you don't hang around, do you? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, you will be proper outnumbered. Yeah. Um. Well, I've got a, a guy at work was saying today that he has three daughters, and actually it works out quite well for him because they all do like dance classes, drama stuff, and all the rest. Of it. Yeah. He just goes off to the football. <laughs> mom, mom does that sort of stuff. <laughs> Um, so was that uh, was that also something that was a bit of a journey in terms of your your relationship? Was that um, with staff? Yeah. Yeah. Was that we like were, an instant. No, we were friends for a couple of years first. Probably because I was twenty five and she was eighteen. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. We were just friends for a couple of years and then, uh, when she was twenty, some of my friends started fancying her. I thought, oh, she's twenty. She must be old enough to go out with now. <laughs> So then I asked her to go out with me. She said no. So I asked her again every single day for three months and then she finally said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so perseverance. That's his perseverance, yeah. She just got bored in the end. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't shut up. <laughs> no, that's a good thing. Um, so between sort of like 2005 then to now, because you've you've talked a little bit about Easterside as well um, and setting up like a Sunday school type thing in Easterside. Is that something that... God's always had on your heart since you've been a Christian is this area, is the area of Easterside or? Yeah, I remember going to, uh, after, not long after I'd become a Christian, probably six months later, a year later, I went to, uh, I Pauline, not long after I'd become a Christian, I went to Australia traveling for a year. And I remember uh, living in Sydney and uh, going to this church, this is in 2003, I was 23, uh, this church called Hillsong. Oh wow. Every, every time I was going to church on a Sunday morning, people were saying to me, you should come to Powerhouse on a Friday night, it's a great youth club, and I thought, I'm 23 years old, why would I come to a, to a youth club? But because I kept getting asked every week, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna just come down and check out and see what it is, so I just come in. I sat at the back and there was probably 250 teenagers uh, jumping up and down, 
loving Jesus, worshipping Jesus. And I just thought I would really love to see that in Easterside. I'd love people to be passionately in love with God, not bothered what anyone thinks of them, and to bring it back. And I remember coming back to Middlesbrough and just loving Middlesbrough. Yeah. But especially loving Eastside. I never particularly liked or loved it or disliked it before. It was just where I lived. But I really loved it. And I remember talking to the lads we were away with, saying, I love being home. I love Eastside. I love Middlesbrough. <laughs> and they were saying, it's the only moon phase. Just, we all had it. It's the only moon phase. It only lasts a couple of weeks. It just never went away. I just love Eastside and love Middlesbrough. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of people say that then. Not a lot of people say that. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> no, it's only a good thing. <laughs> so then, obviously, you've developed that sort of enthusiasm, passion for the area that you live, yeah. and this has now become an area that you work. Yeah. As well, yeah. and that's through is that through the Eden Project? Yeah, I work for uh, Eden Easterside uh, through part of Tees Valley Community Church. I live on Easterside and lead a team of volunteers who. We both live on Easter side and then so we've got like six of us who live on the estate and then we've got a wider team of about fifteen people who move on to the estate and help do different activities and things. Yeah. Yeah. And so how long ago was that? When did that start? Well I started working for the Anglican Church on the estate in two thousand and seven. And then I started working for uh Tees Valley Community Church in two thousand and nine. And then I started working for Eden in 2011, so it was a bit of a process. I remember when I was first started working for the church on Easter side, and a lot of it was always seen as like uh, Tony's thing and me trying to get volunteers. And I remember when we first started the Sunday school, not many kids were coming, so I thought I'm going to change it to a Wednesday night and see if, see if kids will come. And I remember me and one of my friends, Ruggy Beadnall, so we're coming. I thought we need we need three people, and I was talking to Steph, yeah. my girlfriend then and my wife, saying, "Can you help us out?" And she said, "You don't need three people to look after kids at Sunday school." I said, "Can be a bit naughty, these kids, you know." She said, "All right, I'll come down and help." And when we come, there was a little army of kids. Come, I won't say how many because I don't know if it's against the law. <laughs> loads of kids and loads of kids in in the. Players just weren't sitting down, weren't listening. So I thought, you know what, I've got to, I've got to clear half of these out. So I put half of the, kicked half of them out. And uh, I thought, right, we've got a manageable number we can work with now. And then a member of the community come in and said, Tony, I think it's brilliant what you're doing in here, but you might want to have a look outside. And I walked out the church and looked across at the shopping precinct and saw everyone from the shops looking up at the church roof. I turned round and looked up at the church <laughs> and all the kids I've thrown out were climbing the, the church and sliding down it. Oh no, what a nightmare. So I come back in to, to I don't know what I think because I was laughing. I come in and the full room was just in chaos, paper thrown up everywhere, all the kids running about. One kid holding the Bible upside down, pretending to do a sermon. It was hilarious. It was just funny. So yeah, that was the first proper thing that we'd done. And yeah, they always say never work with kids or animals. <laughs> <laughs> the the beauty thing at that time, I was always having. To, it felt like I was having to ask people, beg people to to come and help out. When Aidan got involved, it felt like we were a team 
doing it together, a lot of people with a similar vision and focus to make Easterside a better place, to help people in a journey of faith, help people get to know Jesus. So when Eden come on board, it really gives us a name and help us move yeah. forward with things. So do you think that as part of Eden, um, yourself, your team, you've seen some real God moments in, in the last few years and, you know, made an impact with the gospel? Across Easter side, saw loads of God do loads of amazing things. Uh, people who were addicted to heroin come off uh, completely. Uh, I remember someone who came in. She was on uh, thirty mils of methadone and prayed for her the next morning. She said, "I, I, I haven't needed methadone. I've just took five mils this morning, just in case. I don't take any at all." She said, "This makes sense. I haven't took any." Yeah. So God do incredible things. Just got a text message this morning about someone I prayed for last night who had arthritis right way through his body, stiffness. He said, I'm always in pain. And then when I saw him this morning, he said, I've woke up for the first time in years, no pain. Wow. So I see God doing incredible things all the time, really touched all the time. But I suppose a lot of people are like, <laughs> I was for the first few years, yeah. in and out. Loving God, loving being part of it, and then slipping away and falling away and doing their own thing and coming back and a lot of people on the roundabout. Yeah. It was the same with uh, when we, we we did one of these with Mikey, and he had a similar story of being a Christian, like going to church as a young lad, and then kind of lots of things went wrong. You'll have to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, coming to find faith, you know, maybe 10. Ten years or so later, yeah. and actually, sometimes it can feel like that as a Christian, can't it? That you you sow seeds and you you take telling people about Jesus, you see healings, you see all yeah. so many great things, and then actually, some of those people you never see again. Yeah. Um. And so sometimes you question, like, is it really worth it? Yeah. But when you do see those success stories, when you do, it's good for you as well as them. Yeah, yeah. Because that's seeing God at work for you. Yeah, for definitely. Um, so obviously Eden's progressed quite a lot now. You now, um, you started what's called the lighthouse. Yeah. How the lighthouse? Yeah. That was about two, two, three. Nearly three years ago. Three yeah. years ago. Third year. Only seems like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Time flies. I think what the, what I'd always wanted to, what I always thought was people come to church and it's like a service. You look at the front. You don't talk to anyone. You come. And then you go, and what I wanted to set something up was two things. One where people really encounter the presence of God, yeah. where people can hear him speak, feel his presence, feel touch, feel changed by him. And that people feel part of a community, so they meet friends. I think in a normal church service, you just sing, listen, go home. I wanted to set up where we're having food together, not just so people get a meal, so people can make friends, uh, set questions through the talk, uh, pinched off alpha because that's how people can get deeper in relationship where they're having conversations about uh, deeper subjects, deeper subjects on faith. So that's why we uh, set it up initially and yeah. I know because you said before that you, you um, that sometimes you get other Christians from that. I mean you know the, the stories we hear we're in we're in Darlington and we hear yeah. incredibly so incredible yeah. stories that happen yeah. through Lighthouse um, um, which is which is like I say it builds faith which yeah. is great for us as well yeah. but do you feel like that makes an impact in this area in Easterside or is there more to come there's definitely more to come I think probably 
there's probably 20-30% of the people uh, from Easter side come here. I think as a uh, as a church, as Eden on Easter side, we need to get better in just sharing our stories on the streets for for praying for people in yeah. the streets. And I think a lot of people just want to come to church and need an encounter exactly where they are, meeting where they are. I know as a church, not just on Easter side, but from everywhere that I know, we just need to get better at spreading this good news about why we know Jesus is real, how he spoke to us, how he changes our life, why we, it's not built on, we're not believing because someone told us, we're built, us, we're built on something that God's actually spoke to us. Yeah. We know he's real, like we know the person next to us, our own mum and, and dad are real, we've got that kind of intense relationship. So. Yeah, oh, that's exciting. So it's like, you know, it does, it, I think that's, that can probably be a frustration of a lot of churches is, <clears throat> is, is even ourselves really, you know, sometimes I know I miss plenty of opportunities to share yeah. my faith yeah. or pray for somebody or whatever, yeah. you know, and we try to filter that into, into the, the life of the church as well. Is, it's actually really difficult to do mm. because I think, like you say, you miss, I do anyway, I miss the opportunities myself yeah. and to think other people then not doing it I need to I, to I have to take a look at myself yeah. Um, yeah. but obviously like I say the, the work of the lighthouse has so far been incredible and I know that you've uh, you've done such an incredible job so far um, anything on what the future might hold for the lighthouse in what you would hope for it or uh, the light the lighthouse is a, is a superb meeting point uh, for people that meet the Lord. I think a lot of my uh, the dreams for Easter side, it's more than a, a meeting, it's the community transformed. Yes. It's where it's common for people to be praying for each other in the street. Uh, worship music blasting out of uh, houses. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the moon yesterday that my next door neighbour was, uh, I'm a child of God, blasting yeah. out his thingy. So I looked over his fence and said, this is a prophecy as well, being hanging on for years <laughs> that people are going to have worship music blasting out the windows. And I just love it where, for we, Easter side was amazing on the uh, the Queen's Jubilee. There's parties all over. I would love it to be like that on Easter, just yes. where the, the state's blocked off and everybody's really celebrating and getting high on God, not drinking drugs, getting high on the Holy Spirit, buzzing, buzzing off him, buzzing off God. Uh, I'd love to see in a state where crime completely stops anti-social behaviour goes the communities, the sense of community is amazing where people want to encourage and bless each other and speak well of each other yeah. where gossiping and bad mouthing about each other stops where suspicion stops where the young are helping the old so a lot of when I think about the lighthouse it's just like a catalyst it's a great introduction for people yes. to, move, to meet Jesus but really what I enjoy, what I love about the Christian faith is living the Christian faith out, living yeah. a life in relationship with God and that how it affect, affects everything. What I used to love about boxing, I love, I loved, I had a reason to live. And now it's just far greater. Yeah. Far greater than winning a boxing fight and some medals. It's winning people's lives for eternity. Yeah, absolutely. Relationship with Jesus. And Storing up loads of treasure in heaven for myself <laughs> <laughs> and and others, <laughs> and that but that's an incredible vision, isn't it? To see your your community change, transform that that is the normal way of life. That the kingdom way of life is the normal way of life. Yeah. 
and that's, that's some vision yeah. to think about what your community might look like. And so well, we, we continue to pray for the lighthouse and the, the, the like you say, as a catalyst and, yeah. and as more people come to faith, that those things start to happen, yeah. like you're starting to see already yeah. with your neighbours' uh, yeah. music and things. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible in itself, really. It's beauty. And then obviously baby number three on the way. Yeah. And so you're going to be a busy man. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't want it any other way. That's true. No, I did. Like I say, we were described today as the as a person who would be you know, most like Jesus without being Jesus. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I'm not sure I see it. No. <laughs> but no, we really appreciate you taking the time out tonight, and thank you for Thanks for speaking to us. Thanks, me. Much appreciate. Um, the the intro song, which I'll actually play it to you, so you can actually hear it. What is going to play us out is by uh, a guy called Stephen Thompson. If you've ever come yeah. across him before, yeah, he's. Uh, Can I just say in terms of lighthouse, it's at Saint Agnes Church, Easter side of the postcodes TS four three PZ. We're on every Wednesday night from seven on nine, and you're all absolutely welcome to come, regardless of belief, faith, for where you are with the Lord. You you're welcome. I won't edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> and no one just to second that. It is an absolutely incredible experience. So make sure you give it give it a look because it's uh, well it literally will change your life actually. So again, thank you very much. Nice one. And we'll uh, it's been here. Thank you. We'll see you again soon.